Welcome in to another edition of the Tapping the Tech podcast episode Dude. 478. That was a long one. I had a little steak for that one. Charlie here with you. Mitch on the other side of the Zoom. Maybe not for long. I emojis um, as we live very close to each other. So it seems pretty redundant not to uh, not to be doing podcasts together in person. Uh, but it, it's easier. Just this. Um, so Mitch, what's happening? What's going on? How how you living? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I don't know. I mean, another. Uh, I, I guess I I've started begun my uh, horror watch horror movie watching uh, string here. I try to I'll try to watch probably maybe not every single night, but try to watch some um, that I haven't seen. Maybe some that I have seen, and so far we're, we're over two, but that's okay. Uh, so you just watching bad ones? Yeah, I, 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 I mean, just I just search around like my Fire Stick for sure. just just dog shit ones that I that I haven't seen before, and there, um, one I watched tonight was a Return to Salem's Lot, so it's like a sequel to the Stephen King yeah thing from like uh seventy nine, I think it is. There's a sequel, and it's it's pretty rough, so. Yeah, um, we, yeah we you to, win some, you lose some. Right. We used to watch a lot of horror movies in high school. Like, that was a big thing. Um, we had a group of people who really liked horror movies. And sometimes it was nice because even if they sucked, you know, sometimes you get a little nudity in there. And then the ones that sucked <laughs> and you don't get any nudity, like, I mean, that's like, that's a double whammy. Because one of the things that horror movies are known for is sometimes a little gratuitous nudity, which oh, yeah. is appreciated. Yeah, especially when you're uh, an adolescent boy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. So yeah, no, it's it's uh it's just one of those things. I'll, maybe I'll have to go to something I've seen before yeah. on my next one. But okay, yeah. so before we go into Wisconsin sports topics, and we have a lot of them, and we so we should waste too much time. What was the first like horror movie that scared the shit out of you? If it was like a young age thing, or if it was mm-hmm. just like I was like, wow, this one. This one was super scary. Uh, I mean, for for me, probably trying to think back. I mean, I don't know. Like Chucky didn't really scare me. I know that it for a lot of kids, for a lot of people mm-hmm. our age, it probably yeah. was one of them. Uh, for me, it's probably either Pumpkinhead okay. or um, like it always kind of got to me. But like, yeah, dude. Um, yeah, that clown. And not so much, not so much anymore. But um, it's always that's a good watch. I've heard the new it's are very good. My wife does not like scary movies. She's gone though for a couple weekends here, so I was thinking it's kind of out of that genre. But like the Dahmer uh, Netflix show, I was like, maybe I'll I'll fire that up, or maybe I'll fire up it because I've heard the new it's are actually very good. They're long, but I've heard they are very good. And I read, I actually read that book, which is a scary. Not necessarily a great read. Um, scary. That you feel a little scared reading it, and sometimes it's also horror, like fifteen hundred pages. Yeah, isn't it? it's a massive book. Yeah, it is. One of, you know, Stephen King uh, always has something to say. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, and it's it like the miniseries, yeah, the original one, and you know, only covers so much of the book. And I think like the movies, the more recent ones, probably cover even less of the book. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I have no idea. I mean, I remember 
you know, kind of how it ends and everything like that. And that was kind of a buzzkill. He's like, he turns into a fucking spider. Um, yeah. But, you know, spoiler alert. Sorry. Which I don't think, which I don't think happens in the book, right? Uh, I can't remember now that yeah. you say that. Um, and then the, my choice for that is Freddy Krueger. It was one of the Nightmare on Elm Streets. I was eight and I saw it at a buddy's house. Uh, shout out Shackner. Him, his sister last watch it. I was fucking terrified. I slept with the lights on for like a week. Like, like, or I had the lights on outside because, like, I mean, Freddy, Freddy is just a scary dude and he haunts your nightmares. And so, it, hence the title, Nightmare on Elm Street. But yeah, I, uh, Freddy to me is the one that to me is the scariest out of the like big three. And then the ones that have the best movies, I think, are Halloween. Now they've bastardized it, but like the first few Halloweens were really fucking good. And then now it's, now it's kind of just a, a shell of itself yeah i'm i'm not as big in the slasher ones like that i mean i'll watch them i've seen a lot of them but um it's not necessarily a go-to like i don't know i, I was i was thinking about maybe watching the more recent halloween like the one that came out last year mm-hmm. just just because just to give it a run um so i'll probably get to that at some point yeah soon. all right well, a lot of a lot of Halloween talk. I know I, we have a contingent of Halloween fans. I think would like it, but we most of our fans want to hear us talk Wisconsin sports, which we are going to do. We are talking about grades for the Packers four weeks into the season. We're going to go offense, special teams, and defense. Defense before special teams. We'll do a quick importance ranking. Then we'll chat about the Milwaukee Bucks defensive changes. What has sparked this for the Milwaukee Bucks? And then lastly, we will talk about what to expect from those Wisconsin Badgers this weekend against Northwestern. So let's start with Packers. Packers are three and one. I think that there are some people who want the Packers to be worse that are convinced the Packers are going to be worse, even though there are some data that says otherwise. And the offense has, I don't know, would you call it much maligned, Mitch? I, maybe that's a little strong. Um, it, maybe, though, I don't know. It's definitely uh, under fire. And I would say for me, my grade for the Packers offense right now, if I'm taking the sum of everything, is a solid B minus. It's good, not great. It's there's stuff that's great about it, like the running game. And that's probably the best part. I think what the wide receivers have done so far, even though there have been some mistakes, some fumbles, some drops, it's been probably as good as you'd hope, right? Like Romeo Dobbs is doing shit that only Marquise Golson has done through four games. Offensive line, again, still a work in progress, but I, I do think like it's getting it's getting to that point. So that's where that's kind of the grade I give the offense. What are where are you going with the offense? Offense, I'm gonna go a little worse than that. I was sure. thinking more like more like C minus. Uh, oh, okay, wow. So we're this, there's a there's a difference there for both of us. So go ahead. Yeah, I mean kind of, yeah. I mean there's you know, B C so I mean it's just I, I was not super impressed. Really, I haven't been at, at any point with the offense. Um, you know, what, they have 27 against the Bears, 27 uh, against yep. New England. Mm-hmm. I think it was like 10 against Minnesota. and It was actually 7 and then 14. 7 and then 14 against Tampa Bay. They, they got the win. I mean, now the offense has been, I, I would say, I, I guess – underachieved just because of the amount of points and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you. The running running game has been somewhat, and Aaron Jones especially has been, has been kind of the lone bright spot on offense. In my opinion, I think Rogers was 
has missed a lot of throws that he probably hasn't in the last few years, uh, the last two MVP seasons. You know, I, I, the New England game was – there were some alarmingly just weird throws from him and stuff, and maybe that some of that was Belichick um, scheming some things up to confuse Rodgers. I think that it's probably fair to, to make that point. But, I mean and, – and some of it too is, is just, you know, the – building the rapport with the young receivers. I, I do um, like what I've seen from Romeo Dobbs so far. I, I think the dude has done exactly – he's about where I thought he would be at this point. Um, so that's a good thing. I just – you know, A.J. AJ Dillon's been a little bit not where – you know, not as involved, I guess. Um, I guess he's not catching a ton of passes either, and it seems like a lot of the – the runs that they call when he's in the game don't necessarily jive with, with his, you know, prohibitive play style. I suppose. I mean, he's to me, to me is like a, a, a single back 12 formation, maybe uh, run it between the tackles, but it seems like it's a lot of shotgun and, and stuff yeah. like that for, for I, Dylan, which, which I don't know. I mean, I, I tend to I tend to agree with some of your critiques. Like I think they're fair. I do think some of them miss the mark. Like right now, they're second in explosive plays in all of the NFL. So even though it's not showing up every possession, there are still explosive plays happen. And I think Aaron Jones has a lot to do with that. I completely agree. He's the MVP. But also, like John Runyon hasn't allowed a pressure as an interior lineman. He's one of the only linemen. I think one. There's another one. I can't remember the guy there's been only two interior linemen so far that have not allowed a pressure all throughout the first four games. John Runyon got praised by Adam Senevich today as sort of the best interior guy that the Packers have. And so I think like he deserves some credit as well. And I just think I look at the offense and my B minus is almost like, you know, when you see potential, like whether it's you wrote a paper and there's, there's some good stuff there, but it's not entirely, it's not entirely fully formed. Like, that's kind of what I see with the Packers. Like, I see the potential. Like, I see the, you know, where this can go, where this could be. And, like, I am not worried one iota about what Green Bay's offense could be. So, I guess, are you worried about the Packers' offense? Or are you just like, I just expected more even with all the transition? I don't think I'm that worried. I think that that great after uh, the midway in four weeks when we do this again, perhaps. Yeah. Um, you know, th- that can change. I just, uh, I can only go off what I've seen. And yep. uh, that's that's the famous saying that I hear a lot um, from podcasters and, and other, <laughs> other, other sports media types. Right. So, so- I, I'm just I'm just going based off what I've seen. And you're right. There is, you know, it, if I was completely worried or I guess really, really disappointed in what I've seen, it might be lower. C minus might, might be a little low. No, that's all right. You're, you're, that's kind of your personality. You're a little bit more on the pessimistic side. I'm a little more on the optimist side. It's why we have a great show and why, why it works. So I'd expect well, I just think that if, if, if you have a quarterback that's supposed to be the MVP and yada, 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 makes all these demands, I don't know. I mean, yeah, no, that's maybe, fair. That's maybe fair, score more than seven points against the Bucking Vikings. Listen, first of all, I mean, that like, when are we going to throw out the Vikings game? I realize it's a divisional opponent. I don't like that we have to throw out a game against a divisional opponent, especially because they have three wins. I think it is as full gold of three wins as the New York Giants, but they still do. The record is the record. 
you know, the Vikings don't have to apologize for three and one. And now they play the Bears this week. They're probably going to go to four and one unless, you know, it stays close or they're Justin Fields is able to fucking unlock something all of a sudden that we haven't seen. And so, yeah, you threw away a game where now you're competing, but I just can't take that Vikings one seriously. I think Rodgers, I will give you that Rodgers needs to be a little more open with his receivers. It's starting to sound like he is. Like he talked to McAfee about Dobbs and Watson. He talked to the media today locally about Dobbs and Watson. So it's, and I know it's like a topic of conversation, but he went out there to praise and almost kind of made it seem like this might not be my last year, just given what kind of young talent they have around him, which is a huge headline because it could mean, you know, that Rogers sticks around a little longer than we thought. And unfortunately, this is probably going to be very Farvian with Rogers, whereas Will here won't he unless they win a couple Super Bowls. Yeah, and I mean that's that's always going to be the headline. I mean, we don't and until until he says when he's when he's done, which he may never. Um, it, it's going to constantly every time it comes up and he says something like that. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be gonna be a big deal. That's um, right. that's interesting. No, for sure. Um, moving to the defense, I my grade for the defense is actually. I want to do B minus. I'm going to do B. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. There's a lot of things to like. I just, I don't know exactly what this defense is yet. I mean, you could argue that maybe it should be a C because of that, because like, I just, they've had two games where I've really been impressed with what they've put together. Like, or, and I should say that I had Tampa and yeah, I would say, okay. So Tampa and somewhat of new England, but like, they, the fact that they're sticking, they get so stubborn with the shit that they do. It just drives me crazy. Yeah. And it's very Mike Budenholzer-esque, right? And we'll talk yeah. about Bud and his defensive changes later. But like, it's like Joe Barry is not wanting to get out of whatever game plan he created. And it's like, dude, you got to adapt. You have to look at things differently as the game goes on. And it's not, if you're getting beat by it, you're going to continue to be, get beat. I'm sorry that all your research you did going into this game was for naught, but fuck your research and do what's what you need to, to win on the field. Well, it's a huge, a huge problem in coaching. I think across uh, the college and professional levels, probably, and probably high school levels in, in football and in basketball, some of the more scheme based, you know, things, I mean, baseball, you know, you can, you can put guys in position, you can pitch people, but it, for the most part, it's all down to execution. But like in football and basketball, yeah, these coaches, they have huge egos and yeah, they, they do spend a lot of time uh, installing a game plan and, and researching and scouting and then for it to blow up in their fucking faces in, 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 a, in the, in the first six minutes of a football game. And then they're down 14, nothing or something. Um, they may stick, they they're stubborn in their ways sometimes. And it's, it can be really frustrating as a fan. Um, I, I think I, I would go. Yeah. Probably like a C plus on defense mm-hmm. so far. Yeah, I, I no. feel like, I feel like um, the expectations were pretty high for the, for the defense. Uh, we talked to several podcasts, you know, over the, over the summer about, you know, there aren't many holes in this defense. And, but my fear was like, okay, now you have to, you know, you have to do it every week. Um, and I guess so far it's been, 
it's been fairly up and down. I mean, the, statistically, the best performance was against the Bears, but I mean, you could probably throw that one out because the right. Bears are a historically terrible offense. Is it certainly through the air? So, not to interrupt, but like, is there a potential that we don't know? exactly who this defense is and we'll find out in the month of November really because they have Buffalo, Detroit, um, Dallas, Tennessee, probably not as good of an offense, and then Philadelphia. So that's a stretch yeah. where you're facing four to five really good offenses. Again, Tennessee unknown, but if they're struggling to stop the run, you have to face Derrick Henry on three days of rest after likely – a dog fight against the Cowboys, it's probably not going to be that easy. So, yeah, that's, well, I mean, that's, that's quite a run there. Uh, right. Of, of, I mean, Detroit's offense, yeah. it's unusual to say, but They're Detroit's offense has, has been unbelievable. I think Jared Goff has what the most touchdowns passes in the NFL. It's, or, it's a very good lesson. Not to, no one cares about fucking fantasy, but it's a very good lesson in why sometimes you just don't draft a quarterback and you just, you take somebody late, hope it works out. Um, it kind of makes me yeah. salty too, because I, in my like dynasty sleeper league, again, no one cares, but like, so it, it's two quarterback league. And I tried to trade for golf this off season and did not, was not, uh, successful, unfortunately. And now kind of chaps my ass a little bit, but yeah, yeah. it's, well, it's I, a good... I picked up Kenny Pickett today in my, in my 14 team league, um, because Aaron Rodgers is my starting quarterback and he's obviously been a little disappointing. So yep, just in yep. case uh, Kenny Pickett takes off here, I got that in my back pocket. But No doubt. And, I mean, and yeah, back to Barry, like, yeah, that's going to be the time where we really see this defense come up. I also want to see the defense make more plays, right? Like, yeah. Sean Gary, they forced a couple fumbles, but they haven't. I think they've had one interception through four games, and they've not played, like, a murderer's role quarterback. Sure, Tom Brady, okay. but Kirk Cousins, Justin Fields, Bailey Zappi, like yeah. – it's yeah. not. And it's not a there were, row of quarterbacks. Right there, and there were stretches in that New England game where it was like, Jesus, like they were just getting gashed. And and I think some of it is, you know, you weren't prepared for Bailey Zappi. You know, yeah. As as you know, there, there's some credence to that where like you're looking at, you know, you're you're focused on Brian Hoyer, whether or not the Joe Barry and the defensive coaching staff would want would say that publicly or not. They're focused on one guy and then when he gets out of the game after one drive or less i mean it's uh you know it kind of changes things and you don't know what to expect i mean bailey zappy you know looked all right who knows what will happen with with him with him going forward but um yeah i mean it, it they're, they're they were good against tampa bay but tampa bay is offense has looked um up until this past week, I suppose, was very inconsistent. So right, and um, who knows? Yeah, Tampa no, no, Bay. November November is going to be a going to be a big month. Yeah, November is a temple month, I think. For the and if the Packers. if the Eagles could keep this up, I mean, this is big, like two thousand four vibes with oh, Eagles right. Packers playing playing big games. It seemed like right. every year it was like Favre and McNabb. Sure, absolutely, and it will be. I mean, that is a marquee game. It's kind of funny that. The next two NBC games for the Packers are two massive football games with against the Bills and the Eagles. And that's kind of how it should be with your NBC games. Like those should be your biggest games, and they are. And very uh, excited. I didn't realize that Eagles game was a Sunday night game. 
So yep. that's Sunday, Sunday night of Thanksgiving weekend. So it's the last game of the long, long, arduous sports weekend where you'll have that. You'll have all the college football, you'll World have the Cup. World Cup. Be crazy, man. Basketball, whole thing. All right, really quick on special teams because we got a lot more to talk about. Um, I like, I think special teams right now is like a B. Plus. Um, it's been so improved with Chris Pasacha. He's done a great job. It was a little shaky against Belichick, but Belichick, one of the masterminds when it comes to special teams. So I'm not going to put too much stock into that. The reason why I'm not higher on it is two reasons. One, I need to see something from Amari Rogers. Like yeah. Highland Hill cannot get off the pump fast enough. I know he's not practicing this week, but like Highland Hill, I think, would really change a lot of things for them if he's healthy. And then the other part is I just – Mason Crosby from outside 45, I just don't know how I'm supposed to feel yet. I'm like, I'm waiting this like Adam Vinatieri, like just falls apart sort of moment from him. I hope I'm wrong, but I just would not surprise me. I know he had the game winner, but I just get worried about Crosby and his leg falling off. Yeah, I'm going to go pretty, you know, B plus um, range as well with special teams, I think. No news is good news with special teams. Right. Uh, would you would you like to see more from the return game? Sure. Um, there has been kind of a overwhelming meh feeling with Amari Rogers returning returning stuff. Um, but I don't know. They haven't gotten punished too bad by the nope. special teams, and and I guess that's really all you can ask for. Um, you know. I think special teams can lose you a game, but it probably, well, I guess I, it's it's more likely special teams is going to lose you a game than it is it's going to win you a game. Right. I guess I guess by that I mean just sort of don't don't kill yourself on special teams and right. and things will things will work themselves out. Granted, it's entirely different, you know, it being college and pros, but we saw so much in college football those first couple weeks of the season this year of teams just fucking up royally on special teams and costing them the game. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you see it right there. You're absolutely right. So well, and and Pat O'Donnell has been yeah, I mean, probably the second best player in the team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you if you're doing like MVPs for each, like yeah, Pat O'Donnell for sure in the special teams, um, definitely up there. He's definitely flipped the field. He's he's done a really good job. So we'll we'll revisit this after week eight um and see where see where we are see how the grades have changed. I'll try to remember to jot this down so we have this data. Um, we had a fax and research. I think this is where that would help, but we don't. Really quick to rip through importance rankings, Packers-Giants. It's in London, Mitch. I'll start. Uh, uh, just number one for me, and for those who are unfamiliar, we just think the three most important things, it doesn't have to necessarily be players. It can be moments. It can be coaching. It can be a whole bunch of shit. Um, I'm going to go number one with – the run defense. Saquon Barkley's beast. Uh, he's back. He, and he's back to looking like maybe the best running back in football. And they got to find a way to slow him down. And it sounds like it's going to be Daniel Jones. Um, so if that's the case, can't just hone in on the run. But I'll be really interested to see what Joe Barry brings to the table after getting gashed by two running backs in the first four weeks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a pretty good uh... – Good first pick there. I, I don't disagree with anything on there. If uh, Daniel Jones does play, it looks like he's limited um, on Wednesday. Um, but that at least I guess the fact that he was out there is, is I, I suppose, a positive sign uh, from them. 
or for them. And just kind of looking at the injury report right here, but uh, sorry. Um, so for me, I think I'm going to go Aaron Rodgers uh, okay. because I think this is a, a decent chance for for him to have a breakout game for the for the 2022 season. Uh, it's been – I think the Packers will be able to run the ball, so that will um, – you know, that should open up some, some stuff in the passing game. Uh, really, the only consistent, I guess, receiver has been – well – that's I, 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 I hate this. Yeah, Lazard. I was going to say Cobby. Yeah, Cobby no. was yeah, uh, yeah. had some moments against uh, New England. He's like a like a cherry '67 Corvette, where he just yeah. uh, rip off the tarp every every third down and send him out there. But I, I think I think they're gonna they're gonna need to get you know maybe this is a week you've had a month maybe it's time to. Um, on a on a fraudulent, what are the Giants? Are they three and one? Are they three two and one? Two? Yeah, three and three one. Three and one. So I mean, a very fraudulent three and one. I think it's time to, um, you know, lay the know. hammer. Yeah, lay the hammer. Get a yeah. get a big get a three touchdown game. victory. Right, exactly. Win win thirty five to fourteen and look like the best team on the field by a long shot. However, um, however, you know, the the Packers. This it's kind of been a theme, and we haven't really touched on it in this podcast, but. I mean, kind of the, the adversity that hits this team, they kind of have puckered at, at yeah, times. But, but like to push, and, and like now you're now you're in London for the yeah. first time. So um, I don't know. I mean, they they probably I assume they're they're there right now. No, but... they're gonna go late. They're gonna go later. So there's this whole thing I talked wow. about on yesterday's pod about how basically this guy who's a Viking strength coach who used to work for the Rams broke it down as like. The longer you're there, the more fires you have to put out. And you just have to treat it like a business trip. And like any other games, yeah. Exactly. And you can't, like, give these players an inch. Because, you know, there's a club – there's a vivacious club scene in London. And you could get into a lot of trouble in London. <laughs> and I think that's what they're trying to avoid. And well, that, so, that makes sense, to, to treat it like any other game, I suppose. Mm-hmm. However, I do worry about the, the jet lag. And, oh, yeah. I mean, anyone who's Christ, I can't even travel two time zones, let alone like five. Um, and but if yeah. but if they go, you know, I don't know if they go Thursday. Yeah, they'll go Thursday. They'll go so, Thursday. It's a seven hour. It's a seven hour flight. Um, as I speaking from experience, as someone who went to London from straight from Chicago, it's about a seven hour flight. Maybe a little more since they'll fly out of Green Bay. Maybe it's more eight hours. Um, but. I would imagine they would fly out, you know, earlier rather than later. Like one of the big things in London when you get in is to not like go to bed when you're supposed to. So like you're six hours at. So if you arrive at 8 a.m., it's really like 2 p.m. And so your body clock is like telling you at six, like you need to go to bed, especially that first day. You're like, you need to go to fucking bed because that's midnight basically. And in reality, it's, you 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 have time you can wait and i actually think i might have fucked that up it's it's uh i might have fucked that up i don't know the let me double check that um and i'll get my last important drinking well oh. we, we've we've gotten a little on a tangent here no we did that's we my did. fault no no it's okay i my last one was elton jenkins i just want to see elton jenkins 
do it at the tackle position. I think there's a lot of questions about that. Yeah. And so I just want to see, I just want to see Elton Jenkins do it. Okay. Yeah, I was right. So like 833 right now, it's 823. It is 233 and 223 in London right now. So it's like, it is, you know, so you got to acclimate yourself. So, right. yeah, I that's, just, that's why I'm, I'm a little, you know, they go a little yeah, later. It's fair. I don't know. It's, it's just, fair. it's, it's, it's un, it's unnatural to play yeah. in London, I guess. I mean, no, especially, right. if, you know, you only get two days or whatever to acclimate. It's like, all of a right. sudden, no, we got to, we got to go to battle again. And no, you, um, no you're no, right. We'll, we'll see if the offense can, uh, can wake can, up. Can it wake up? Yeah. And Jenkins, like, the only thing to add as well is like, People are like, oh, he needs to play guard, he needs to play guard. It's like, and this will feed right into the Brewers conversation. He wants to be a tackle. He wants to get paid like a tackle. Guards don't make that much money. Tackles make the money. The reason he's out there at tackle is because, A, the Packers believe him to be a good right tackle, and, B, they're doing him a solid by getting him paid. And they know that, and there's nothing wrong with that. And it's very similar to our old friend Josh Hader pitching in the ninth inning. That's where the money is, and I have no problem with it. And I think Elton's going to figure it out. I just well, unless think you're unless you're Quentin Nelson, doesn't that dude make like yeah. twenty million dollars a year as a guard? Right, but it's also but then that's the argument. It's like why are why are we thinking of the Colts? If you're a Colts fan, like why are we paying a guard twenty million dollars? You know how, when yeah. has it ever worked out? Right, everyone was apoplectic years ago when Packers got rid of Marco Rivera and Mike Wall, and it turned out to be the right move. Those guys yeah. were never the same. So, anyways, speaking of the Brewers, season is over. Uh, the Brewers will not be dancing in the postseason. Uh, we were not on the podcast last week. I think that's probably for the better because I would have been excited about the potential of catching the Phillies, and they damn well could have. And they just didn't do it. I mean, they had three different chances over the weekend, and they couldn't finish. <laughs> and yeah. it's just – it's sad. Like – as frustrated as I said this in the review today, like as frustrated as I was with this fucking team all year, I'm still sad about it. Like I'm still bummed out that we have no more pack or brewer baseball. It's just, and especially like none in October. And that has not been a thing in five years. Yeah. I mean, you were, so you were, I think you went, well, yeah, you went Dunn club on Saturday, didn't you? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I told you we were out drinking together and we watched that, that loss in person. And I was like, it's done. Like there's, there's really where we ran out of games. Like some guy, uh, Jack Stern was a great foul on Twitter. I forget his handles like baseball, like a bunch of numbers. Um, But he's a great Brewers follow. And he pointed out like the Brewers could only lose two games. And this was, I think starting with the series prior to uh, the one during the week. I can't remember who are they playing again. Um, the Marlins? And it was the Reds. No, it was the Reds. It was the Reds series. And it was like, they have one, they can only lose really one one game or two games. And they did. And then they lose that Marlins game, which is their second loss. And it was like, all right, Thursday sucked. But if you were able to finish it off and win the rest of those, like, things are going to go well. Like, you'd still have a chance. They would have went down the wire. And it just, and yeah, Saturday I, I said I was out because I just, I didn't see a path. And sure enough, I, I was proven right. Well, I figured it'd be a fitting end that they would end end the season tied with the Phillies, um, but lose on the tiebreaker. Oh, God. Uh, that, that, that didn't happen. Um, perhaps, fortunately, they finished uh, technically a game out. It was funny watch, looking at the standings every day, and it was 
the elimination number for the wild card was still one the last few days mm-hmm. because technically, you know, we could have tied them or whatever, but it, it was like we've been eliminated since Sunday, basically. I mean, it yeah. was I mean, well, Monday well, night, Monday night, Monday night. Well, it was so, and Monday was so weird because they have this gritty comeback. They're down four to one. They come all the way back. They win it in the 10th inning. And then maybe 15 minutes later, 20 minutes later, the Phillies win eight nothing against the the Houston Astros. And it's all over. And none of it matters. And it that was it. And, it, and I said it um, on yeah. the podcast, but it was the first time I've been doing game reviews where a team hadn't made the playoffs. That was the first. Started in 2020. I've been doing reviews since then for all the teams and they had, I guess Marquette would have been the other example of that, but I was thinking more pro teams. So I guess I should have fact checked myself there, but still like, man, it was, it was, it was just so depressing and there's just a lot of soul searching and we're going to probably do a larger topic on how to fix the brewers. But do you see any immediate changes this week? Now I've, I've planted my flag that I think Craig council is going to resign. I again have no source on that. I just that's how I feel. Um, do you have any predictions at this point I mean, of, of something that could happen? I don't have a, a feel on on any type of changes forthcoming. Really, um, I know you've been on that council thing. I think it's more likely that Stearns is gone, mm-hmm. just because you know he he has suitors. I guarantee that. The Mets would be more than happy to have them, and they could probably <laughs> push their chips in and and essentially, you know, make him a godfather deal and promise him everything. And it could be their Andrew Friedman. Uh, you know, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if that's what Steve Cohen had up his sleeve. Um, Council, you know, he can he can only make so much chicken salad out of chicken shit. Right. And he's done that for the last several years. And, um, you know, maybe maybe he does want to want to step away and spend time with his, his kids who are, you know, most of them are high school age or approximately. So, you know, and he's he's been a, well, fortunately, he's able to to manage his hometown team and right. his kids probably compared to a lot of professional sports um, managers and coaches. Their kids have about his kids have about as most a normal life as a lot of them have, as yeah. it is. So yeah, maybe I mean, so that's my thing about like, does he really need to step away? I mean, maybe he wants to, and he can do whatever he wants, and and the, and the managerial search would be on. But I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like Brewers baseball is 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 his life, I, and I, oh god, and I I just I don't know if you know he certainly if he does decide to step away from the stresses of managing on a day to day you know, basis. I think that he would, he's more than welcome to stay with the Brewers as far as I'm concerned. Um, I mean, and, and I'd love to have Stearns back as well. I think that it's been a rough year. Um, some of the moves were, you know, obviously, yes, you're looking at it now. It's kind of like the hater deal. We have to wait and see now. I mean, Mm -hmm. with, with, with what the Brewers got back, if anybody can make an impact, Taylor Rogers was not very good. No, Taylor um, Rogers can get the fuck off my team. We are going to do the pitcher roast too, by the way. Um, if we talked about that um, a couple weeks oh, yeah. ago. The, we the, will the pitcher, the pitcher, pitcher roast, like rankings. Pitch, yeah, pitcher rankings roast. It'll happen. 
probably we got to clear a few things, but it'll happen before the baseball season is over. That's a promise. Yeah. So, I mean, an immediate, I mean, I think we have what another year with Taylor Rogers under contract, Unfortunately, right? Unfortunately, yeah. We'll have to figure yeah, some so, stuff out. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe he bounces back. I mean, relief, May- oh, relievers but- are, are, are fickle. And so, can I sneak a question into you? Yeah. Did Chris Hook have a job? Huh. What is what is Chris Hook done? What is Chris Hook doing? Like, what's he ever done? No, I'm um, serious. Like, well, I don't know. The starters are pretty good. They but are, but you you had a bullpen. I don't know, man. I mean, the bullpen was so good, and then it and then when everything happened, it just you know they got Matt Bush who sucked. Too. Yeah. I mean, we have another opinion, year with him too. Unfortunately, he just, he just loves giving up home runs, right? And and Taylor Rogers is not good, and it just seemed like Devin Williams is pretty good. I, yeah. I think you know, and, and and God bless him because, um, who knows w- without him? And yeah, maybe not. I mean, maybe that's a move. Um, you know, they they got rid of, they overhauled the the hitting department, and that didn't work. And so, um, I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe it's, maybe it is something you look at for yeah. sure. Um, I, I don't know, man. Like, I just, I just have to add that, ask that question because it's like hook also works on preparing the hitters for the other, other guys. Like how have you, how are you not able to figure out Nick Lodolo of the Cincinnati Reds after facing him four fucking times? Like Lodolo is going to be a good pitcher, probably their opening day starter next year, but he was on a hundred loss team. You, Probably should have figured it out at least once. So is that a coaching thing or is that a hitter thing? What what's sort of the, the disconnect there? And that type of stuff is there. It's the fact that you couldn't figure out how to rein in Rogers and Bush. Brad Boxberger was so hit or miss. It you just kind of didn't know what you were gonna get with Box every time he pitched. Um, you know, yeah, it, and it, and like and like Lauer was was pretty awful after like May. Same thing with Hauser. Right. Those guys basically completely fell apart again. Yeah, and Lauer Lauer had a good finish to the year, but he got hurt again, right? Like he had yeah. two. Then he had two stints on the IL. Freddie had two stints on the IL. Woodruff had a long stint on the IL. I think there is a Brewer fan that maybe is even more optimistic than me that says, "Hey, look, if our pitching staff stays healthy, we win ninety-five games, and maybe we don't even trade Josh Hader." I don't know if I agree with that. I don't. I don't know if that. Is yeah. worth 10 wins. Um, but your entire pitching staff wins last. I mean, 2011, the Brewers, I think, had the same five starters all year, didn't they? Yeah, I think 2018, we were pretty close too. Um, and and so, yeah, it happens, but it doesn't happen often. I mean, it's kind of an excuse you can't use because look at the fucking Mets. Mets won 100 right. games, and Scherzer and DeGrom were hurt for different points of that, ba- of that season. So, and I think Carrasco had an IL stand. I'm sure Walker did. Like you just can't, it can't be used in my opinion. Look at the Dodgers, right? Walker Bueller has been out for the fucking year mm-hmm. and they won 160. Like, I just, I can't buy that excuse. So I think it'll be really interested to see what this next week brings. I've again, I've said this now probably way too much on the podcast, but I'm still waiting for that big national media story to talk about the dysfunction in the Brewers locker room. And it hasn't come yet. Um, it'd be a great thing to drop tomorrow. Um, just because there's no baseball, um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see if that does come. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe I'm just making it up. But if I was a little Italian, Brandon Woodruff's like, yeah, we should have been playing ping pong together a long time ago and bring like Papa shot. And it's like, so you guys just weren't a fucking team for 
you know, from April to August. And you tried to basically rebuild your marriage in the last month to see if you can make the playoffs. I don't know. And yeah, yeah well, I mean, part of, I mean, these guys are grown men too. I mean, they're not going to be sitting there fucking having sleepovers and drinking. No, yeah, um, but like playing N64 until. But Yelich, Yelich also had the comments of like, oh, you know, it's not a, it's not a given to make the playoffs every year. It's like, yeah, that's that was evident. You guys were like, oh, we'll figure it out against the good teams, but when we play the Pirates and the Reds, who gives a fuck? And it's like no fucking shit, man. And so, anyways, team drove yeah, me crazy. That was that, that was that was. You know, the first the first uh, signs of something was the eight game losing streak in June, right? Yeah, and and it was against that. bad te- it was against bad teams too. It wasn't like it was an eight game losing streak against the Dodgers yeah, and Mets. Like the Nationals were in there, I think, right. right? The Reds, like it was ugly. And then, and then they had that stretch at the end of July, right, where they yep. struggled against the Cubs and Pirates and Reds, and that was kind of like I don't know something. That was yeah, there. they had two of those. They had one right before the All-Star break. Then it was when Hader couldn't pitch. And then they had it right after they traded Hader because all the vibes were terrible because David David Stearns assumed everybody was fucking robots and they'd be they'd be okay with it. Yeah. And they they and also too, on top of that, I think it's pretty evident that the Brewers knew that they couldn't tell their team they were trading trading Hader because they knew they were being uprising, but they were worried that Hader would not bounce back. And if he didn't bounce back, he had zero trade value come this winter. And so, and they probably were wrong or whatever was fixable. Padres fixed it. And if Chris Hook's like, this guy can't be fixed. That might even be more reason to fire Chris Hook. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. It's it's just, it's just funny. Like we were in, we'd watched the game in Boston and I think vibes were pretty good. Yeah. They won, they won that night, that Friday night at the end of July. And they won the next day. And they lost the third game. I thought maybe we'd get the sweep. Um, you know, it turns out Boston kind of was was done. But um, yeah, and then it didn't. It's no more than forty eight hours after that, hardly. Yeah, no, and, and I mean, there were rumors about Hater floating around, and you know, I had started to theorize like, were they trying to tell the management like, hey, don't do this, like, don't rip us up, like, just let us figure this out, and management. Did not listen. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what's next. Looking forward to it. Maybe we'll have some more answers next week when we podcast, or maybe we won't. Um, baseball is a funny one. Um, Baseball's very, a, a slow-moving uh, – there's very little flow to the offseason in baseball. Very quick. I'll probably do this as, like, a full segment tomorrow. Do you have, like, rooting interest on L and AL for the playoffs? Um. Well, I, I would – Realistically, or not realistically, just I who mean, would, if I, who would be your ideal World Series if you just were given the chance? Who's the world? Who's the World Series that you want to see? Uh, well, I think the Braves are probably the best team in the National League. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'd love to see the Mariners go, but I, I just I don't know if I just I, they probably don't have enough. But I don't like. And the Amer- outside of the Astros, who have kind of been on cruise control the last few weeks, mm-hmm. um, and the Dodgers too have been clinched for a month, you know, yeah. damn near it. It it's it, you know, I don't know if the Mariners have enough pitching. You know, they got Luis Castillo; they locked him up as well. So like they, he's obviously been pretty good for them. But uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, 
I, I would say Mariners and Braves is like a would be a, a dream World Series. No, that's that's a a nineties nineties kids wet dream. Like that's sure. those but are I, the. But I think like probably like Astros and Braves would be like the best two best teams. Yeah, I I personally Mitch gives me shit about the Mets, but I I like the Mets. I like what they have. I think their crazy fan base is funny. Um, and they're to me the most likable out of the NL. So I will say um, the Mets. Yeah. I don't, and, I, guess I don't I don't disagree with that. And then the AL I kinda like the Guardians. I don't think they'll get there. They're way too young. Like kind of Bucks circa twenty nineteen. Like they're the youngest roster in baseball. But they got a lot of guys. Like I love Jose Ramirez. Cal Contrell's yeah. been a stud. Uh, Shane Bieber's always good. Emmanuel Chase is a just electric closer. Emmanuel Classe. Classe. It's Classe. I knew that, and I was like, I think it's Cla- I think it's like Place. I think there's an L in there, and I, I did, I, I went for it. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I just, I like that team. I hope, I think they're gonna do well against the Rays. The Rays talk about a team that backed into it. Um, I feel yeah. like the Rays definitely did, and I think the Guardians. Did they lose today too? Yeah, I think they did. So they lost like five in a row, I think, at the end of the year. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, let's move on to the Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks are getting ready for the start of the season. They are in Abu Dhabi playing this morning. Um, probably when a lot of you listen, you can watch the Bucks on NBA TV. Um, and they announced, kind of not nearly announced, but it was pressed in the media that basically the Bucks are going to be switching up what they do defensively a little bit. Now, this is something that fans have asked for, clamored for, for a long time. And Charles Lee kind of let it sort of get out that the Bucs were trying to guard the three-point shooter a little bit more and letting it filter down to Brooke Lopez and Giannis Antetokounmpo. And this is what fans have been asking for for a long time. So, Mitch, what what changed? Why Why now? Uh, for Mike Budenholzer to make kind of, I, I would say, borderline drastic move. I mean, watching Grant Williams go off against you yeah. in the uh, in the second round of the playoffs um, probably has something to do with it. I, I, do, I mean, all right, so for me, <laughs> it's kind of lip service. I think uh, preseason type of banter you know they want to maybe reset the bar for the fans or something um you know oh we're trying something new give us time but you know we'll see i gotta see it first and i feel like i've heard it before um and we saw it before i mean we saw it in 2021 you know it, it 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 was i don't know if that was pj tucker just providing that much toughness and elevating the toughness of the rest of the team. And now he's gone and maybe there just wasn't that extra from last year or into last year. But I mean, yeah, some of the, when things go wrong and your team doesn't ultimately hoist the trophy, I mean, there's going to be a bunch of stuff you can dissect and, and nitpick. Right. Um, you know, asking Grant Williams to beat you, and then him doing it is gonna is gonna piss fan fans off. I mean yeah. myself included. Right. But 
I guess I like to hear it, but, but I gotta, I gotta see it. I gotta have a, I gotta have a 50 game sample size well, to be so, like, so here's this quote here. I get it. You want to, I, you need, you need to see it. I fully understand that. But like you read this quote from Mike Bluenholz in Eric names column saying, so I think historically we've been a very good defensive team. It's still allowed a lot of threes, which isn't something we like, but you kind of live with very Bluenholz are quote, by the way. Mm-hmm. But we backslid to a very average defensive team. It's still giving up a lot of th- threes. Yeah. So we'd like to get back to an elite level team. And part of that is hopefully is something where we show how we can do it. But we'd like to try to get better everywhere defensively, including threes. So if you look at the stats, Bucks yeah. have e- either given up the most threes or the second most threes in all the NBA the last three years. Defensive rating in 19 and 20 was number one. Their defensive rating two years ago when they won the title, ninth. Last year it was 14. Now some of that's Brooke Lopez not playing, but it's obvious that the Bucks are looking in the mirror. Teams are getting smarter with how they shoot three-pointers, how they execute three-pointers, and the Bucks are like, we can't keep doing this drop coverage bullshit. And maybe PJ was right. And my longstanding conspiracy theory, as I have a lot of them, was that part of the reason why PJ didn't got lowballed was I don't know if Mike Woodnalls are kind of like getting bullied around by PJ. And I think PJ did bully him around. And <laughs> so I I just have to wonder if he's like, oh, PJ was actually right. And I was the one that was wrong. And we need to kind of go into this more aggressive switching defense that, you know, filled, funnels guys to the lane where we have two elite shot blockers in Brooke and Giannis. Yeah. Uh, I guess Admittedly, I I kind of forget or forgot that they've kind of slipped the last couple of years on defense. Now top top ten, you'll take. Right. I think what I think what it was was like those first couple seasons with with Bud. You know, they were so good on both sides of the ball, and it ended up like not mattering. That it kind of was like, well, maybe we should take the foot off the gas um, a little bit and and back off on probably on defense, and and it ended up working out. You know, kind of or it did work out in 2021, you know, they, they had, you know, the, and then you had PJ Tucker at the trade deadline and stuff. So who knows what happened? You know, I can't pull the numbers off the top of my head, but from the trade deadline on in 2021, maybe the defense did get better and he'd actually didn't even play that much in the regular season. Um, but, and then last year, yeah, they, they were, they, but, but I, you know, you kind of, you got to chalk some of that up to, to like, um, you know, you won the championship the year before. Oh, totally. It's it's natural to take to, to perhaps drop a few a few spots in the rankings. You're you have a target on your back, which I'd argue the Bucks have for the last few years, whether they won the championship or not. I mean, it's not like teams are taking them lightly. Um, but you know, we're not the Charlotte Hornets. No, nope. God bless them or something like that. Where Thank God. teams are just kind of waltzing in on a on a Tuesday night, hoping to roll out the balls and kick their ass, and you're you know. Yeah, and teams. I and I also think part of that too is like I don't know how many guys really like Giannis. Like they respect Giannis, but I think they want to beat up Giannis. Like, and I think there isn't that doe-eyed holy shit, I'm playing Giannis yet. Like, I think sometimes that happens with LeBron, where like a young guy like Jalen Green, good example. Like he's like, Oh, I'm playing LeBron. Like, I, you know, I'm nervous, like whatever. And I don't think that's there yet. There needs to be like another generation before we have that with Giannis. But I, I do think there are a lot of guys who want to show up against the best player on the in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, 
there's I yeah, I just think that it yeah I, I don't know if I agree well yeah you're probably right I mean people clearly he is still doesn't get the level of respect that you wow. know I, I guess maybe I maybe I'm biased you know and I guess do I think people should kiss the ground he walks on uh, maybe um, <laughs> but um, yeah I'm sure they want to beat him you know I you know but Giannis is still I mean people forget he's still at about 70 percent of what he what he could be uh, I know and, I mean he's got he's done a really good job of of obviously nobody works harder than him and there's you know he's he's willed himself to be to be great he's he you know he has a lot of physical advantages but i don't think he has he doesn't have the most touch in the world clearly i mean but he's figured out a way it's not pretty but he's figured out a way to to be highly successful and you know that probably that probably does bother some people and he's and he's a foreigner i mean he's not yes, necessarily not the, AU, not the AU guys yeah he's he's not he's not one of the AAU he's not in the uh million dollar boys club basically i mean he's just he's just not he's he's different he's, yep. he's built different hashtag I, built uh, different. I i haven't hooked talked to our t-shirt guy yet but i kind of want to make a Giannis revenge tour t-shirt like it's like a tour t-shirt and then on the back it's like boston philadelphia put milwaukee in there um you know all the different toronto miami like everybody and just the year of Giannis, because I think it's going to be a very big year. I'm very excited. This this this, this Zach Lowe shit's got you real pumped up, huh? Uh, yeah. I mean, for those for context, um, I was texting Mitch the, this week, and Zach Lowe basically calling Giannis like a couple of things. There are a couple of good Giannis quotes in the Zach Lowe stuff I heard. First of all, he's like Giannis is going to kill everybody. Heard him say that twice. Like he really believes that Giannis is just going to go on this warpath, which I believe too. And then the quote he had, he's like, I spent a lot of time with Celtics. Um, and they said after that series against the Bucks, like to a man, they were like, I do not want to face that motherfucker ever again. And that motherfucker they're talking about is Giannis Antetokounmpo. The dude is a monster. Like he is an absolute beast. And Giannis Antetokounmpo is just really, really good. And I'm really yeah. excited. Yeah. And. You know, it's not really Giannis I would be worried about uh, on the Bucks. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not worried. I I think they could easily get the one seed if they wanted to. I just am a little concerned that well, you've got you've got the Middleton thing right now, which you know he, he yeah no ended last it's... season on you know out, and now it's... he's got a different injury that sounds like it's not basketball related, which you never want to hear. No, nope. happens, and. Yep. You know, Drew Holiday's thirty-two. I don't. I don't think these guys are declining yet, but um, we'll see. I mean, yeah, no, for sure. And, we'll and, talk. And we'll, there, there's we'll, there's obviously questions for each player on the roster that I have. Totally, and we'll and we'll dig into that. We'll do a big preview pod. Don't worry. Um, that is definitely on the on the come up. So stay tuned for that. Uh, lastly, um, as we wrap up today's show, the Wisconsin Badgers, man, it was funny. Well, I'll see. I'll let you tee it up. But you were going to tell, you're going to suggest something about the Badgers before they fired Paul Chris, before the Illinois game. You and I didn't tape last week because I was busy with the move. Uh, and what were, what was your suggestion going to be about the Badgers? Well, it was after the Illinois game. It was. It was oh, okay. It was Saturday night. We were talking, hanging out, and 
I was like, we don't even need to talk about the Badgers anymore. Like that's just if we if we didn't say one more word on the podcast about them, I'd be totally fine with it. And then sure as shit, you know, less than twenty four hours later, in an all time news dump. Oh um, God. The it leaks out on Twitter that the pet the Badgers have fired Paul Christ in the fourth quarter of a nail biter Packer game. Um and they didn't fuck around too much at the press conference either, by the way. That came right about the time, no. that, you know, a couple hours after that. So, um, I, and I just, we talked about it, you know, the other day when we set up the podcast. It's like, yeah, probably should talk about it now just because yeah. it's, uh, you know, we haven't had a chance to. But I did not see that coming. And, um, wow. Yeah, no, it, it was crazy. And I don't necessarily know. If, it, if I could have pictured that, like there were murmurs that it was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be Chris last year and that this, you know, it's kind of over for him. I didn't really expect them to just pull the plug, but it makes sense. I went over it this week. Like you still have a chance to win the Big Ten West. Big Ten West is a joke. There is still that opportunity. There's still opportunity to win, you know, anywhere from eight to nine games. Like that's not out of the question. You have a couple hard opponents, like you got to play Minnesota. You have to go to Iowa, even though Iowa's offense is also a joke. Um, you you still have to you know play those games, and those are going to be tough. And so it'll be I'll be curious to see how it all works out for Wisconsin. But they get Northwestern, place they haven't played well recently, and you have to show up early. Like you can't come out slow. Like that to me is like. The number one thing for the Badgers is like if they come out slow against a bad Northwestern team, I mean, that's like now we're talking about to back to your point originally of should we even talk about the Badgers the rest of the season? Well, I don't know how much is going to change uh, this year. I think that it's a seven game or eight game audition for Jim Leonard totally. to, to, you know, he, I guess we had speculated for some time now that if, if something were to happen to Paul Christ that, you know, would Jim Leonard be the guy? And I guess that's probably why they went ahead and did the move. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, give, give Jim Leonard a a chance to rally the troops, show what he can do um, as a leader of men, as they say. And, you know, it seems like the defense all all loves the guy, but now he's going to be, he slides down uh, a chair on the bench, if you will, where he's now he's the asshole. Uh, he's, he's, he's the bad cop, not, not, not the good cop. And, right. um, you know, I guess he has a hell of an opportunity here, but in, in terms of like this week, it's like, what, what's gonna, I mean, you've got Bobby Ingram calling plays, right? I mean, like you allegedly have had all season and I don't know, maybe, Maybe the maybe the reins com- completely come off Graham Mertz and he throws for five touchdowns and 300 yards, um, you know, like he did against Illinois in 2020. Maybe it's maybe it's just a magical day and things completely turn around. But I don't I don't know if I necessarily expect that. It would be truly shocking. Honestly, that would be the most shocking thing. Right. I know Northwestern's bad, but if they were to like run up 45 points on that team and it was all like offense. Like, yeah, it was no like pick sixes, fumble returns, nothing. They just ran up 45 points on them. That would be a huge indication of what was going on there. Oh yeah. And that something was 
and, and, I, and it almost you have to wait to see the Michigan State game, right? Because that's the following week. Michigan State, not good. But still, they run if they do the same thing, then it's like, holy shit. Like, did they almost like the reverse of the hater trade? Did they wait too long on this? Should they have done this at the start of the season? And they and maybe just it wasn't known. And Chris McIntosh, new AD, kind of dug around and started to realize that Paul didn't really have it together. I thought uh, Colton Bartholomew, who writes for the State Journal, did a really good thing on the timeline of, like, all the bad, like, Chris things and talk about, like, how disorganized he had become and how bad special teams were. And, like, he also was starting to hire his friends. Like, he made a real, couple really bizarre coaching decisions. And it was just all sort all wrapped up in there. And very, very curious. And... Paul Chris, obviously, just if the game ran by, and I, I'd kind of seen it, and it'll be very, it'll, I'll be very curious to see how it goes against Northwestern, and then the rest of the year, and if it, I think, so I guess for it to go wrong for Leonard, and them to say, all right, we need to do a national coaching search because Leonard is that guy. What's that record uh, for for the Badgers? Uh, you mean if they were to like hire somebody? Yeah. They were to go with Next Lance week. Leopold's have been the that sexy, sexy name. I like the kid, the guy from Kent State, Sean Lewis, a former Badger, and but like one of those guys. If they were just to go with a, another name, like what's that record have to be for the Badgers? Are you talking like if they did it for next year or yeah, or... yeah, next year? Oh so, boy, I mean, well. If, if they get Lance Leipold, who everybody wants, and, you know, I'd be more than happy with that myself. I mean, you'd still have – well, Graham Mertz would have another year, right? Right. Um, You still have Braylon Allen. The offensive line has to get better. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't see any reason why you couldn't be, like, a 10-win team. Um, But, I, you know, we've seen it before where they where they've gone outside of the family – and you know Gary Anderson what was two years, I think he yeah, had that was, and that was yeah. I think it was I think it was okay the first year, and then it got really bad the second year, and I I just I was thinking like while the Paul Chris move was like, I just I just it seemed I don't want to say early that they fired him, but I cut like the dude is still as was like an eighty five and forty record as a, as a coach and. You know, I'm not saying keep them around, but it's they're two and three. You know, it wasn't like this is the second year of a three win team or something like that. But um, I just had to sneak that in there because I, it, I don't know, it was, I, it was I very, very abrupt. I hear you, but it has been a clusterfuck for this team yeah. for three years. Like, and another like great what if in that, in that Bartholomew timeline. It's like what if Jack Cohn doesn't get hurt. Like if Jack Cohn doesn't break his foot, it are you know does Mertz transfer? Does Cohn you know have a really good twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one and keeps Chris's head above water? Because Jack Cohn, I think we could all agree, had a better twenty twenty one and a better twenty twenty than Mertz. He just couldn't stay on the field. Like he just could not stay out there. Yeah, that's true. So, that's true. I mean, but we were all we were all pretty done with Jack Cohn too. Well, right. Everyone wanted to see the new the the hot new Ferrari, but it turns out that Ferrari just had an engine problem. Like, yeah. so we'll see what happens, man. But, I mean, but like I, I've, I've given 
Chris a lot of that blame too, just because I think you have to trust a quarterback to some extent. And he just, he hasn't with Graham Mertz. It's been kind of bizarre. It's been yeah. very, very inconsistent. And I mean, I don't know, I, I guess it's really hard to say to answer your question with, with a new coach, what it looks like, because it, it can go in two different directions. I mean, it can, it can be, you know, Oh, wow. It's uh you know, Lance Leipold, for example, who's really had nothing but success. Um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe they get off to a slow start. Now it's a rebuilding year, a new program. Right. Um, you know, I feel like Lance Leipold, is he a Wisconsin native? Yeah. He's from Jefferson, Wisconsin. Which I didn't know. Yeah, hell yeah. Hell yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's, you know, but maybe, maybe he doesn't want that. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard for me to, cause the guy's turning around Kansas. Now, why would you want to be a Kansas when you can be a Wisconsin? Right. But, who knows? I mean, there's other guys out there too. Yep. No, absolutely. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely see what happens. Um, it should be fun. Um, I, it'll we'll see if Wisconsin. I kind of hope like they are able to take care of business against Northwestern, Michigan State, and then they're kind of back in it. Then they're four and three. Then it's like okay, Big Ten West is that's there. Purdue would be a big game. It's homecoming. I also think that might have been part of it too, right? Like they had two games before homecoming. Big donor event, likely. And, like, I love Ted Kellner, one of the bigger Badger donors. Like, oh, I had nothing to do with this. And anyone who would have, you know, been involved, I would have told him to shut it down and stop it. I'm like, yeah, okay, man. Like, that, that people believe that in Wisconsin. People wouldn't believe you for a second in Alabama or Texas. Yeah, that's wild. Just, it's just saying, man. Uh, well, don't have much left for you. Uh, it was a long show today. Glad. Hopefully everybody stayed on. Um, as we end, we celebrate with Anthony. Not celebrate. We don't celebrate injuries. But Anthony Davis out with lower back tightness tonight. And it begins. Yeah, we, don't, we don't celebrate injuries. Um, no. It's just, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, you know, the dude's made of glass. I mean, made a paper mache. It's always something little. Yep. I like the NBA season has a lot of potential. I mean, there is. Oh yeah, it's gonna be a great year. On a parity, there is. There's like five major players that are that are gonna be back. I mean, the Kyrie stuff. I, I don't know. Does his vaccination status now not matter? Oh, it doesn't matter. No, it so, doesn't matter. He's, so he's... after all that, it's not gonna matter. Right, and, then, and that was Kyrie's point, but we don't get into that. I know, but, like, it's kind of funny. And then, um, you know, you got Simmons back and Zion back, and, like, I mean, there's just – like, there's six teams in each each conference where it's like they could probably win it. Right. And, you know, let's just let's just hope for some health here so we can get – Totally. Some, some, some competitive good basketball. And, uh, and also, and we will do a preview pod, but let's not like be like, everybody should just tank for women, Yama and Scoot Anderson. Like let's fucking relax. Okay. And yeah. I just, I don't need like, that's such a loser mentality. Like, do you really think the Kings who haven't been to playoffs in fucking 16 years want to tank for yet another potential prospect? Fuck that. Like they want to be in the playoffs. Just like a lot of other teams want to be in the playoffs. Like I, I've been pretty good, Mitch, at identifying the scrappy teams. I also remember last year, told you I thought Memphis would take a leap. 
kind of feel like New Orleans is that team this year. I know that the Zion angle. I just like Willie Green. I think he's a really good coach. I think the Rockets are going to be very scrappy. I, I think the Rockets will be good. I'm not a good, but I just think scrappy. And they, I think the West is really open for some of those teams to come out of nowhere. And it's like, holy shit, the Rockets are a nine seed heading into like the final three weeks of the season. I don't know about that one, but it's a little uh, spicy. I look, I told, this is what I said about Cleveland last year. The sand. I was yeah. on Cleveland last year. I, I was all over that. Well, I, I, I let's see, I, let's see you predict where Cleveland's going to finish this year. Then, then we'll know how smart you are. Oh, I have no idea. Cleveland This year, Cleveland is one. Of, oh my God. Sorry. I didn't mean break. I've been watching this SMU uh, UCF game and I'm on the SMU side. And it has been one of the more infuriating second halves that I've watched in my life. SMU has not scored. They've had just bad play after bad play. Guys wide open on a third and six. Going to be a touchdown. Just fucking drops it. Fuck SMU. Just had to get well, him out there. Sorry to hear that. It's okay. Um, it's fine. But yeah, another, I, I, just... I like your New Orleans thoughts. I think they could be, I mean, they're going to be very good. You know, barring injuries, they're right. they're pretty freaking loaded. Yeah, so. yeah, and I like I I don't always do like uh, MVP at, like for MVP odds and shit like that, but you'd have to at least take a glance at Zion. Like I'd have to imagine Zion would be like a twenty to one favorite to win the MVP, and could happen. But I'm more on the camp of Giannis, so we'll see. We'll talk a lot more NBA as we get closer. We'll ride out today. Have uh, batting stuff on Friday, as well as I'll give my power rankings of teams I want to cheer for in Major League Baseball, and who knows what else. Maybe we'll get some other news, as that tends to happen sometimes with Mission I tape. Next day, big time news dump. Hasn't happened in a while, but it used to happen to us all the time. So, anyways, we will uh, talk to you guys next week, and uh, see you then. Peace. Peace. Peace.